This is greatest tip number two called how to pivot in your career from season four, episode 12. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Change and Transition podcast, where we talk about navigating change. It's for people who want to transition from their current career and lifestyle to the career and lifestyle they've been dreaming about. Life's too short and the time for change is now. I'm your host and dedicated career coach, Crystal Deborah Coley, and it's my mission to help people to make challenging transitions so that they can be the best versions of themselves. Here on this show, I use examples from my own transformation, practical coaching methods, and interviews with inspiring guests to help you to get the life you know you deserve. Let's get started. So in today's episode, we will be talking about how to pivot in your career with the amazing Crystal Kaibi. So she was a corporate lawyer who turned into a music lawyer. And the reason why she's on the show is to talk about how she made this transition. This is the thing. People always ask me, oh, do I actually need to change careers completely? And sometimes the answer is no. You just need to make the adjustments necessary to make what you already have work for you. And Crystal talks about this beautifully in this session today. We focus on the power of relationships, how to take control of your career and the importance of the people around you. Now you can get in contact with Crystal on LinkedIn. As usual, I've put her details in the paragraph that comes along with this episode. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Hi, Crystal. Welcome. Welcome to the Change and Transition podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Crystal. It's so weird when it's like, hi, Crystal. <laughs> I know, Crystal and Crystal. I know everyone. Yes, I know. But we, spell, we both spell our names very differently, although we have very similar personalities. But no, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Okay, I've been waiting. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, okay, okay. Well, it's an honor to have you. And I, I love a good podcast. Good. And I'm just thinking, we've known each other for what? Is it, has it been at least, is it a decade? Yeah, definitely. I think Jeez. 2009. Probably. When Mass and Helen first started dating in 2009. Oh gosh, you've got good memory. So for yeah. those of you who do not know, Mass is my brother-in-law and Helen is my sister. And, that, and you went to school with Mass. Yes, I went to yeah. six women with Massima. That's it, that's it, that's it. And mm. I also know you through the other lawyers and another Crystal, who's a lawyer. And another Crystal. <laughs> crystal with a K. <laughs> crystal with a K, where the crystals with a C, and then our names are spelt differently. It's yeah. lots of confusion. But no, as I said, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. You're I think welcome. it's going to be so much fun and people are going to learn so much. I've watched you grow in this, you know, these past 10 years and I really admire what you've become. So I'm really Thank looking forward you. to this one. So I'm going to just give you the opportunity then to introduce yourself. So who are you and what do you do? My name is Crystal Kibi. I am now a music lawyer. So I'm actually a legal and I need to always get my title right because I get it wrong all the time. I'm a legal and business affairs manager in A&R at Columbia Records. Columbia Records is a division of Sony Music um, UK. Um, so it's one of the five or six labels that sit under the Sony Music banner. So that's my day job. Oh, before that, I was an ex, I'm an ex-corporate finance lawyer. So I worked in the city for about six years um, doing finance law. 
and then moved over to music and now that I do music I pivot more into like the creative space so I also style an ex-NBA player I manage two artists um I also do like create like consulting on the kind of legal and business strategy side for brands and startups right now so I'm I'm doing that for two startups right now and then just yeah I just consult here and there for people within the music industry really um so I'd say now I'm kind of very much so in the music industry but before I was a corporate lawyer so when you well no actually no not when we met when we met I was still a struggling student (laughs) (laughs) weren't we all I absolutely love that. I just love that you're doing so many different things. You, you're using your skills in so many different ways. And it's, it's, great mm-hmm. to, it's great to know. So I just want to zero in a little bit on your mm-hmm. career as a lawyer, because I think I want to talk more about pivoting in your profession, because I think this is mm-hmm. where I think a lot of people struggle when it comes to, yes, I want to change careers, but do I completely throw the baby out of the bathwater, like kind of like what I did? Or do I stick in <laughs> hey that's what I did or do I you know stick in in the profession that I'm in but find another place to do it so I really want to yeah. talk about that so my first question then is right you're in corporate law what made you I leave? was in corporate law yeah yeah but this is uh, from what I remember especially I remember in the law lectures that that we, we went to different schools but you get what I mean mm. people used to talk about corporate law that was the dream people wanted to be there so what made yeah. you want to leave I'm not going to lie, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. Do you know what? No, there's, there's actually two answers, right? There's, there's the answer being a Christian, which is God made me leave. Like God kind of pushed me out and I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to fly. But if I'm honest with myself, I just wasn't enjoying it anymore anyway. Um, and at the time, I started like my own practice and I was Mr. Easy's lawyer for two years which was kind of fun because it meant that I had like the best of both worlds. Like it meant I could still be a corporate lawyer and make loads of money <laughs> and work ridiculous hours, but also be his music lawyer. And I got to travel around the world with him sometimes. And I got to go to like funny events because I was his lawyer. So I was kind of like living like a kind of Jekyll and Hyde life where it was like one part of me was like the uber serious um, corporate lawyer, which I, I loved and I enjoyed when I did. But it was also the other part of me that was the kind of true me, the very fun crystal who loved music, who loved going out, who loved partying, uh, loved meeting new people and was a little bit more creative. So at that time, I was able to do both. And I think, again, what made me move is God made me move. Um, you know, I think I'm jumping a bit in terms of my story. But as I was doing both, I did a deal with Columbia Records and Easy, And I was the lawyer. And then I kept going in to see my now boss just for like random means. I didn't really have anything to talk to him about, but mm-hmm. I just always, like, I've always been big on networking and, and preserving relationships. So you made this new friend. What happened next? He offered me a job and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but at the time I was still in corporate law and I was actually interviewing to work in other firms, but in corporate law. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart was just like, okay, you've been offered this job and I don't really know what this job entails, but should I take a risk? Should I take a gamble and I have and, it's probably been one of the best gambles of my career. Wow, what a story. I mean, <laughs> this is the thing. It's, it's so interesting because it seems like it's not that you were sitting there thinking, right, hmm, I want to leave. I want to do something else. It's something that it seems like you had an interest, which is music. I know you mm. love Afrobeats. We've been to a concert. Mm. Remember the one day call one? So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> 
you said a few things. So the importance of networking, you just like to get to know people and mm. you were helpful. You took a contract over to, to one of the, well, where the art, one of the artists were performing and did what you had to do there. Yeah. Because you've made lots of connections, you're connecting artists and labels. So it seems like you, what you would do is very natural and the opportunity mm. just sort of came up. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think now that I look back, because sometimes when I think my life has been such a whirlwind for like the past, I'd say like four years, mm. that's only when I sit down and take stock. I'm like, oh, that is what I was doing, right? I was kind of A&Ring before I became an A&R. And I was, yeah, building relationships that I didn't think I would need right now, but are great for me to be able to call someone up and be like, hey. So you landed this job with your new friend, but it didn't just stop there, did it? More opportunities came. You want to tell us about Zay? Zay was then like, okay, great. We've got this project. Can you help us? So I was like, okay, great. Like, by this point, I knew, like, my friend was running Universal Nigeria, a, a great friend called Eze, who I'd met, like, 2018 when I did the deal with Easy and Universal Music Africa. And I was like, well, I also work with Legendary Beats. Like, they've got this project. What, what do you want to do? So we were going back and forth on that. And then I went to my now boss and was like, you know, I also represent these artists. Like, do you want to talk about this project? So that's, it was a bit weird because I feel like I was, I was already a and before I was a and And it's only because I made all these contacts with no kind of like intention. I had no intentions to be like, one day I'm going to be in the music industry and I'm going to need you guys. It was just kind of like, okay, I can be of value to you guys, you know. You know, it's very odd. There's not many black female lawyers um, and I can help you guys. And at the time, I was, I was kind of, you know, I was making six figures, so I didn't need their money. Like, I didn't need any of them to pay me. I just kind of was doing it because I wanted to advance Afrobeats. I made good relationships with them and they needed my help. So I think I really learned there the kind of value of just being of value to people. Before making the change, so before saying to yourself, okay, I'm now going to be a music lawyer and the other, mm-hmm. the other parts to your role, what, what would you say are the three things that you considered before making that that transition i mean the thing about me is i've I've constantly been in the like a series of transitions towards my whole career in in my whole career right because it was like i wanted to be an ip lawyer like i was so convinced that i was going to do ip i was so nerdy that i really loved tax i like when i was at uni i really really loved tax law my dad's a math math math, my dad's a mathematician my dad has a PhD in maths, and so my dad taught me maths from early. Like, I remember I was doing, like, GCSE maths when I was, like, 12, because um, my cousin was doing his GCSE, so my dad was, like, might as well learn with him. So numbers and, like, corporate and business was something that really I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I took my tax elective, and I really enjoyed it, and I remember, like, my tax tutor would, like, say certain, like... So the thing about tax, and for me, sometimes why music law and other things work for me a lot more is if I can work out in numbers, I can understand the law, mm-hmm. right? So with tax law, a lot of it was we have to work out how, how is this treated in real life, right? Because there's a law, but how does that work? So a lot of it will be calculations. I remember my tax sheet will be doing stuff and I'm like, no, I, no, I think you've done something wrong here. And he'll be like, what do you mean? I said, no, I, I don't think this calculation's right. And I remember, like, he used to, I used to do it all the time, and he'd be like, you're right, and then would work it out. And then I remember I actually got a first. I got a first in his class, and he was the first one that said, I want to be a corporate lawyer. But I was like, look, but I want to be an IP lawyer. So 
I'm really interested in tax. I don't know how this is going to work. And he said to me, well, there's actually an area of tax law which is just surrounded on IP. He's like, what do you think about that? And I was like, oh, okay. So that was already me thinking about, I'm interested in these two things and how can I fuse them? So I already saw that in myself very early, if you understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not rigid. I can see that I like two different things. So how can I fuse both of them together? And then I became a corporate lawyer. Well, then I was a trainee and I hated IP. Absolutely hated IP law. I hated my department. I hated my supervisor. I hated the partners there. And I didn't qualify there, but I qualified as a finance lawyer. And that, again, didn't seem like anything to do with what I wanted to do. But I was like, okay, I enjoyed it. Let me just do finance law. Then they sent me to Nigeria to train Shell's lawyers. So this was February 2015. I jumped on my first business class plane <laughs> courtesy of slaughter and may to go and train shell's lawyers for two days or three days and my being there, i was like okay so this is africa okay so i'm really interested in africa but how do i fuse being a finance lawyer with africa and so that's that's kind of what i did for the, the, the next year I, I went to conferences you know i went to um and this um, london school of economics has this like africa business summit every year so I would go to that and I'd get slaughtered and made to pay for it because I'm like I need to understand how can I fuse Africa with finance because at the time I didn't understand like I was just like well do they do that like I didn't, do you know I, mean? I didn't understand and at the time at slaughtered and made, I was doing very UK corporate centric deals yes. you know I was working for yes. Santander um I'd done certain things that were international but they were still European you know, I worked for World Duty Free and I, I went to Milan to do that. And I worked, I did an oil comp, oil transaction. I had to go to Madrid for that. So it was like, everything wasn't pointing to Africa to me, but I just didn't, I, I was like, no, because I'm interested in these two things. So like, how do I fuse them? And so I left, I left, I left Slaughter May because I couldn't see how I could fuse it in that role. So I left and I went to Whiting Case and because they had promised me that I could fuse that and and I didn't. I worked for a corporate law firm. Um, I worked for the capital markets department, doing stuff in the Middle East. So at least I was one step closer to Africa. And, you know, um, but it still was in Africa. And so then I left. I sent all my CVs. I sent my CVs to random firms in Ghana on the basis that I was coming on a secondment. That's how I got them to agree. And then when I left White in case, I emailed them. I said, well, I can't do this comment anymore. Can I just come anywhere? And my boss was like, yeah, to come. Um, so kind of to wrap back to your answers, I think I've always learned how to be in a transitory stage in my career. Mm-hmm. I've always learned that if I find something else that, it's a, that is like a passion for me, interest for me, I'm going to find a way to fuse it with what I'm already doing. So I lived and worked in Ghana because I really wanted that African experience in the finance context, which is what I did. I worked on the financing of, there's a Swiss port cargo hub next to your new airport. I worked on that financing because they ran out of money and they needed more money. So I worked on that. I worked on the financing of your airport. I just did random like transactions in Ghana and I loved it, literally loved it. And I knew, and I told recruiters in London, do not call me unless you have another role in London, which involves Africa and finance. Like I said to them, I, I'm not, I'll be in Ghana for as long as I, as long as I need to get an experience. And strangely enough, like I'd moved to Ghana in like August, I think it was by October, recruiter had called me and said, there's this firm and they're looking for exactly what you're, what you're looking for. You know, a, a, an associate that can work 
in, in the finance space, a general finance lawyer, but also involved in Africa. So I was like, oh, perfect. So I came back, I interviewed, I actually came back and interviewed at the same time that I met Easy. So literally on that same trip, I came back and I interviewed and I met Easy. Again, still not really paying much attention to the Easy part of it, more of I still want to be a finance lawyer, I still want to be in Africa. So I came back, I worked for Hunter and Williams, which is now called Hunter and Andrews Curve, for about just under two years, so about 18 months, I'd say. And I had a great time, like I was doing work for a Frexin Bank, which is Africa Export Import Bank, and we would give trade finance loans to like banks um, across Africa, we'll do um, infrastructure deals. So I was using my skills, I was using my finance skills but in Africa, in the African context, and that was great. So I think I've always been like that. I've always just taken a gamble to be like, be ready to transition. Whenever you're interested in something else, be ready to transition. And God willing, like it's it's just always happened because I've always been willing to take the gamble to be like, I don't know how these two things are going to fuse together, but I need to find a way to fuse them. So that's why I've always been in the transitory state. I think you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I think you have summed it up so beautifully about how to pivot no seriously because I think I think sometimes people don't think about this it's what you've done is you've understood yourself I mean Mm. the fact that you said you know you've understood you always want to fuse things that's so important that's so important Mm. and now you know okay my career as I mean yours (laughs) yeah it's likely to be a fusion of different things so it's how do you pivot and marry it with mm. something new and it seems to change so tax and ip africa and finance more music is also another one of your interests but it's african music and i really loved what you said earlier about which i oh, i think it's it's purpose driven as well you spoke about um wanting to advance Afrobeats, and i think that's mm. why some of these artists were, were quite confused about why you would not charge them when you were as you say, commanding six figures already. So you can yeah. definitely make, make more from them as well. So I'm really, just from listening to you, I'm really seeing um, how you've been able to pivot. And I just think it's beautiful because you've, you're, you, you've constructed the kind of career that you want and you've taken control of it. And this is what mm. I want people to, to learn, that it's not always you have, I mean, people operate differently, but I think yeah. you know what your interests are. You take the time to think about these things see the opportunities because you were developing them all the time naturally yeah right and then you you opportunities came and you thought okay mm, okay you took one um in the corporate space which i think is interesting because you took it but it wasn't what you wanted and then you were like no now this is what i want and i think people yeah. listening should realize that if you know you want something don't compromise on it this, this is this is don't. not just career advice this is just in life if life there's something you you know you want put your foot down and it will come i really believe that look it was so crippling i remember being um when i went to white in case i was only at white in case at nine months and i think sometimes i look back and i think that was probably like the lowest part of my career but then when i look back like there's just the way that god makes me look back at that time and i'm like no because i was miserable at that job like not a white case itself because I was, I, they sent me on a comment and I worked for Credit Agricole. And I remember when they asked me to go and do it and I said, do they do any work in Africa? And they were like, yeah, like I'm sure they do West African work. You know, it's a French bank, they must work in West Africa. I get there and they do no Africa. And I'm doing fixed income derivative work. Oh, no. um, and I was there to replace a 10-year qualified lawyer. So imagine I'm 
two years qualified or one year, one year and a half there to replace a 10-year qualified lawyer. And I remember being so miserable um, in this job. I was only there for three months as a comment. I remember going to work every day and I was counting down the days. And that's when I was like, I need to do something about this because this is not where my passion lies. Like, this is not it. Like, I know I want to do Africa. So I was literally shuttling myself back and forth between London and Ghana. And people used to always be like, why are you going so much? And people never understood it. I was like, you know what? I know what I'm doing. So I'd shuttle myself. I'd pay for flights and I'd go from London to Ghana, London to Nigeria. Um, Whenever there were big events, I would be in Ghana or be in Nigeria because I knew, okay, I need to network. I need to figure out what I want to do. Um, but it was like, it was the most soul crippling thing, but I needed it to be soul crippling because I need the jump. Because if not, I would have stayed at White and Case and not gone to Ghana and not been here. Um, so I think sometimes people need to be very honest with themselves. That is this job like worth this, like, is it what, like, sometimes when I think, like, when I look back at certain things, I'm like, okay, I didn't enjoy it, but I had to do it. Like, I didn't enjoy being a trainee, but I had to do it, right? I had to be miserable for two years yep. and sit in different departments to figure out what I wanted to do. Now, now that I've become an associate, I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to be here and be miserable because it's not a means to an end anymore. You had to be a trainee because you had to train. Yep. But you don't have to stay in a job if you're not happy. And at the time, loads of my friends were also quitting corporate or London. I have a really good friend of mine, Alameda, who now is a business consultant and she quit the same time I quit Story Mate. She went and worked in Nigeria and I was like, hmm, let me try this. Went to Nigeria, came back. I was like, hmm, I don't think I can do that jump yet, but let me try and stay in a firm in London where I can still do Africa, which, what, which is what led me to move to Whiting Case. And I told them, I want to do this for comment. I made it clear to them they had not done anything. So I took it upon myself to find this secondment. That's why I went to firms and said, let me do a secondment because I'd already told White in Case when I interviewed there, I I want to do a secondment. I didn't do it as a trainee and I want to do it now. So for me, it was like, I have to take control of this because it's not a means to an end anymore. This is my career. Um, So I think sometimes with people, it's like you need to be able to, one, figure out, are you in, like, is this a means to an end? As in, I have to be in this job for a reason because a qualification will come out of it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Or like, for me, I also stayed in corporate as long as I could because it was like, I, I want to buy a house and I want to do certain things and set myself up so that if I don't stay a corporate lawyer, I'm still financially great. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I've still put myself in a position that even if I take a drop, I've got a house and I've got a mortgage and I've got this and I've got no student loans, which is what I did. Tra- being a trainee and staying at Slaughter May for another year was a means to an end. I paid off my student loan in that time and I bought my house as I think I was 24 at the time yep. so it was like now that I've done what I need to do now I'm going to make me happy so every other jump after that was I'm going to make me happy I don't want to be in London anymore I want to go live in Ghana I made myself happy <laughs> like do you know what I mean it was like it was like make yourself happy because we're like by the time you come out of uni, you're 21. And I think a lot of the times we're taught that you're going to have one career. And that's not the truth. You're not just going to have one career. I met so many, especially white men, who would tell me, oh, this is their second career, their third career. Because why? They made themselves happy. They realized this isn't working for me anymore. I have other interests. Let me move. Preach. I think too many times we're stuck. Yes. Too many times we're stuck because someone told us this is the career 
like someone told us that because you wanted to be a doctor when you were 16 that you could only be in that but again Alameda's now husband um Dele is now a in VC but he was in uni with me at King's and was a medic like he was convinced he was going to be a doctor and then three years or four years down the line he was like no nah, this isn't working for me I think I've always been around people who have also learned how to pivot and transition mm-hmm. and I've always been able to talk to them and same with you like even we'd have our conversations and you'd be like you don't want to do this anymore and I'm like okay so what do you want to do and it's like how do we pivot how do you use the skills I remember when you were like you like people okay so we spoke and said do HR do coaching do this so it's nice to see you do it because I think I've just constantly had that circle of people around me with like we just teach each other this is how you pivot this is how you move this is how you transition so I feel really bad when I see people and I'm like so your your team or people around you aren't teaching you how to pivot or to use your other skills you know to do other things like I have one of my friends is a is an OT an occupational therapist and like three months ago I'd say we have like a travel page together and she needs a oh, logo. Two scoops. Two scoops. Yes, yeah, scoops. That, yeah, I've seen two scoops. <laughs> yeah, so Leanne did a logo. She was bored and she really liked, we used to live together and she used to draw all the time. And then she drew a logo for us. And I was like, I just put it up on Insta and I was like, hold out Leanne for logos. She didn't want to start a business, but I was like, hold out her for logos. She likes to, I knew my friend liked to draw, you know, and I know that, you know, she doesn't want to be an OT for the rest of her life. And now she has a company called Hazel Arts where she does like black art. Like she does wall, uh, wall paints and she does cards. So like every single birthday card I send now comes from her. You know, she just sent me a get well soon card because I just had Corona and she designed it. So it's like, you need to be around people that can see your other skills and can teach you how to pivot. Yes. And pull it out of you. And Crystal, I can literally yank it out. You've made such a good point there about your circle and who you're around. You need that support. I think... I am the average of everyone around me. My best friend is not necessarily like the most like business minded person. But what I will say is my best friend was the first person that ever Googled Slaughter May for me at 16 because she saw my dream. Called Slaughter May in the morning, Saturday morning. And she's been my cheerleader ever since. Ever since I'm like, okay, no, I, I want to move to Africa now. I want to do this now. I want to, okay, I'm going to go into music now and I'm going to do this now. Yeah. And she just understood it. Finally, do you have any final thoughts for people who may be in a position that you were in before where, you know, you weren't particularly happy? I think you were saying that you weren't particularly happy in doing the straight corporate law thing. Um, mm. To people who may now be thinking, okay, I'm not actually really liking what I'm doing. It's, it's not quite mm. me. It's not purposeful. Um, what advice would you give them? about trying to pivot? Um, a few, I, I'd give them a lot. There's like a lot. I, and I'm actually going to write a book about this one day <laughs> okay. about pivoting because I don't know how I've managed to do it so well because I didn't even realise I was doing it at the time. I just knew I, did, I wasn't happy I needed to move. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I would say is when you have an interest, figure out is it just a hobby or something that you actually want to do as a business or in your life or as a career? Mm-hmm. Because I think we're in that generation where everybody turns a hobby into business. And some things are just meant to be a hobby to some people, right? Yeah. Some things are just meant to be something that brings you joy outside of work. Because I'm not going to lie to you, when I was working at Hunton's and still doing Easy, that was still making me miserable because I would still have to come home and then work for Easy in the evening. 
right? So the certain things that's an interest is like, it's like if you want to turn it into a business, sometimes it isn't fun. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. being in music at that time wasn't that fun, you know, to come home at like eight or nine from my normal day job to then start working on stuff with easy. It wasn't fun. So then you're like, should this just be a hobby? You know, I don't know what people are, are, are into, but you know, should this just be a hobby? And if you can figure out this should just be a hobby, then just keep it as a hobby. And have it as the thing that you can use as your escape from your nine to five that you have to do to obviously pay bills and build your career. And that's the thing that I was talking about is, is what you're doing now a means to an end. So for example, if you're like an accountant and you know that you, you, you're trying to do your chartered accountancy exams and, and let's say your company's paying for your exams, right? So then I understand you staying in that job is a means to an end. So then what I would say is have an interest that makes, that's just a hobby that makes life bearable that makes life fun outside of the misery that you're having to go through to make, to get to the end, to, you know, while you're doing your means to an end. So that's one thing I'd say, because I think too much now we turn things that could just be hobbies that make us like more lighthearted and make life fun. We turn it into businesses, which then just doesn't become fun anymore. So that's the first thing. Second thing I'd say, okay, once you then realize, no, this is actually genuine interest is go and, acquire the skills that you need to do that you need to have while still making money because that's what I did I still made money as a corporate lawyer but I still bought music law books I still have it now it's loads of books that I bought while I was working with easy because I didn't understand anything about music law I studied IP but I didn't really know much about music law so I'd read my book on my way from on my commute home I'd read it sometimes on the weekend or if I was having to do like a document for easy that I didn't understand I have to read the book or you know I'd listen to seminars or I'd go on YouTube and see stuff that the BPI or people had put up I was constantly searching for knowledge but I understand that's how I am anyway I like knowledge I like documentaries I prefer watching documentaries over reading and doing stuff because I constantly like I like gaining knowledge so I would say if you don't really have the knowledge that you need to pivot go and get it in a safe space, in the space where you're still making money with your nine to five and you can still afford to do that. Because I think when you're an adult, you just can't make decisions about, well, I'm going to quit and sit at home and, and learn. I'd say learn on the job. And when I say on the job, it means learn whilst doing your other job. That's it, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then three, I'd say go and build as many relationships as you can in the new sector that you want to go into. And I don't say build relationships just so that you're networking and you're trying to get something from them. As I said, provide value. Like be the person that people call because you're valuable. So just start genuine relationships with people just because you want to. And maybe if you can, as I could afford to, so I could afford to give my services out to people for free on the basis that I'm just building relationships. I genuinely want to help you guys. Like, I think my passion for trying to build African music also comes from my passion for me just to build the continent. Otherwise, I wouldn't have left and lived in Ghana. And I think when you do it out of a passion, you are willing to build more genuine relationships. You'll find people that have the same, like, um, passions for you. You know, I met, like, for example, now my business partner, when I manage one of my artists, is Eddie Caddy. I met Eddie in 2014 at a party. I wouldn't have known six years after that we would have the same you know, the same passion. We're both passionate about Africa. We're both passionate about African music. We're both passionate about helping artists. And so we manage an artist together. But I didn't know that six years ago. I just knew that I met this guy. We talk, we hang out. 
Um, and he actually was one of the people that opened a lot of doors for me in music, even before I became a music lawyer. So I'd say network, like network to genuinely just build connection, not because you feel like this person can give you something, but because you generally like, this is the space I'd want to be in. And these are the people that I'd really like to get to know in this space. And I think once you're able to do those three and marry those things properly, then you can do that. Because I think now that I look at my career, I've done that. Like when I was applying to go to Ghana, I remember now Slaughter May had like a week where they, they, or two weeks, or three weeks, I think three weeks, where they had invited a whole bunch of African lawyers to come. It was that, that kind of like a three week, like, not a training contract for them, but do you know what I mean? But they could come to Slaughter and May and learn how it is to be in a corporate law firm in the, U- in the UK. And I remember just making friends with them because you're African, you're my brother and sister, and I love you guys. So, you know, I'd go to lunch with these lawyers and we'd hang out and we'd, and we were like, we were cool compared to other people that barely spoke to them. I was like, we're black and I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to network with you. And I remember speaking to one of the lawyers who's like a senior lawyer in Ghana now. And I was like, I really want to come to Ghana. And he was like, okay, send me your CV. You know, but I didn't start that relationship with any kind of ulterior motive. It was, you guys are African. I'm African. You're my brothers and sisters. We have a common, you know, we have a common goal, a common thing. You know, we we can laugh about the same jokes. And at this point, I think I'd just come from Nigeria for the first time. So, you know, I could laugh with Nigerian lawyers about stuff and I could ask them about Nigeria. And I just, I just made good friends. So now that I look at my, you know, look at my career. I'm like, oh, I can see that now, mm. you know? And, and I constantly do that. So I still refer people to my law firm in Ghana. If people are looking for a law firm in Ghana, I'm like, yeah, call my boss. Like, he's amazing. Or when people say that they want experience to go live in Ghana, I'll call my boss and like, hey, can you speak to this person? I'm just a relationship person. I, I just like them. I, I like making friends. <laughs> my friends say I'm really friend happy. So I have like a yearly house party. And the joke, the running joke with all my friends that I've known for like 10 years is, I wonder who's the new friend Chris was going to bring now because I'm constantly making friends, you know? That's just how I am. Those are the three things that I would say are key. They've worked for me and I hope it worked for other people. Great. Thank you so much, Crystal, for all of those bombs of wisdom. It's been really great speaking to you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Now, don't forget to like, subscribe and share for more inspiring content.